Now, this is not going to be pretty. We're talking violence, strong language, adult content. I want to go somewhere that's bursting with house cars, with cover and salmon on tongues, and where a vampire's there. Always can chance on some vampires hunt until dawn. So meet me at the bronze. Well, welcome to Meet at the Bronze. This is Meg, your Buffy expert, and... This is Quatina, your Buffy virgin. And we have a very special guest with us tonight, a... <laughs> So excited about this. This is our first crossover episode Yay. with a member of our Lady Pod squad. Nicole, would you like to introduce yourself and your podcast? Hello, ladies. My name is Nicole, and I am the host of Unearthly Paranormal Stories. Thank you for having me. It is so awesome that you wanted to do this. We're really excited. So, to so have good you. to have you. Thank you. So I'm going to go ahead and get into our wine pairing for the evening. So tonight's episode is uh, episode 11 of season one, Out of Sight, Out of Mind. And anybody that has watched this episode already might understand the pairing. We went with Royal Bitch Shiraz. Hey, I get it. <laughs> yes. So this is the episode in which Cordelia is... Uh, uh, made the May Queen, which I had no idea what the hell that was when I watched it. Prom? Uh, it's kind of like prom queen, but it's weird because I, I talked to my mom who grew up in Southern California, and she said that they did this like four times. There were like four different courts every year. What? There was like Harvest Queen, uh, oh prom God. queen. Yeah. So I, I think it's just one of those things out Can there. Callie just stop living their lives and get their <laughs> shit together? Like, damn, some of us are actually doing something. Y'all okay. fucking picking May queens and shit. I'm kind of with you. I grew up in Southern California and we did have a lot of a lot of queens. Uh, yes. Not, not queens. the kind of queens that we not like. Not the kind of queens we like. Uh, where, where in Southern California? Orange County. Oh, okay, so Orange right County. around, I think, because this is supposed to be basically Orange County, right? Yeah, I know that place. That's where all the blondes yeah, are. Yeah, I think so. I, I assume. Is she Riverside yeah. area? Because she leaves L.A. to yeah. go to... Yeah. Exactly. To yeah. Yes. I mean, my mom was like, my mom was more like uh, Ontario, La Cunada, but I think it's not too far out of L.A., so... Okay, I'm sorry. Isn't that Canada? La Cunada. I, <laughs> I heard Ontario. Okay. Ontario, yeah, that was there, too, yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. fucking Canada. It's, it's I know not. that. It's actually, like, L.A. suburb-ish. And Canada. <laughs> and it's in Canada. You okay, are correct. Okay, cool. Yes. As long as we know that. Um, but let's get into tonight's wine pairing. So tonight's wine pairing is a Shiraz. But instead of a Shiraz from Australia, this is actually from Okanagua <gasps> in Chile. Chile. So, um, Shiraz is actually, a lot of people have associated it with Australia in the last 20 years or so, but it's actually just the Syrah grape, which is from southern France. Okay. Um, it's what they use in the Rhone Valley, so in the northern Rhone, their wines, their red wines, are just Syrah. Um, in the southern Rhone, where you probably have heard in really fancy things like Chateauneuf de Pop. Yeah, that word. Chateau <laughs> <laughs> Pop. They they Syrah is one of the big the big grapes that they use in hey, their blend. Syrah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you've you've been enjoying the Syrah tonight. Yes, um, I have been. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, so Syrah, so Syrah's yellowtail kind of made, made it really famous in the yeah. '90s and early 2000s from Australia, 
And uh, Chile started growing it in probably the late 90s. So what we have is a really highly tannic red wine. So remember we talked in the past about how tannins are, there's actually a lot of tannins in black tea. If you're not really sure what they are in wine, you know that kind of like grippy, the feeling almost like you're running velvet or or even Velcro across your tongue. That Okay, velvet and Velcro are different, well, so where it, are we going No, it that? like causes your taste buds to kind of just stand up and grip at something. Yeah, sounds sexy. Yeah, yeah. it is sexy, I know. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like what tannins are. Is there that like grippy, almost puckery, but not in a sour way? Um, and Syrah is one of, because they have very thick skins, it's one of the t- most tannin, most tannic grapes out mm-hmm. there. Um, but the Aconagua Valley of Chile is actually, because it's, you know, high in the mountains, but a little bit of a valley, it's actually very cool weather, so it's kind of like having a Syrah from the Northern Rhone or from Washington State. So what you should actually get, and you might have gotten this a little bit, definitely blackberry or blueberry should be like the predominant fruit flavor. Yeah. But then you might get a little bit of mint or even, and this is, I know you're going to give me the craziest look. I'm already giving you a look right now. uh, Like meat, like jerky. Almost like a like a it's like a smoked so, meat. I'm sorry. We, it's true. Do I look like I eat smoked meat? We cook our meat, okay? My we like and my jerky. people. You've had jerky. Come on. I've never touched jerky in my life. Bacon? I do not. Is that jerky? Well, no, but I mean like exactly. it's cured. It's cured. It's cured, okay. but like so. So just just do me a favor. Jerky's country as fuck. I'm clo- not country. Clo- close your eyes. <laughs> take a smell. Okay. But are you getting like a little bit of like gaminess, like just like there's something there that's not quite fruit okay. or herb? I think okay, okay, all right. I smell. Uh... There's a reason, by the way, Nicole, why this uh, segment is highly edited every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I smell wine. You just smell okay. It smells like a red wine. I smell. You great. know what? Just taste it. Is it delicious? And then we'll keep, we'll get moving. Five, six, seven, eight. I, you swirl it. Yeah, you swirl it. There you go. Let the mm-hmm. oxygen get introduced the, to it. Exactly. It changes up the taste and everything. Yeah, because then you get more. Uh huh. Now taste it. Mm-hmm. And what do we think? Smell it first. Yes. Then taste it. Swirl, sniff, sip. It just like tart. Okay. When it hits your tongue. All right. Anyway, it's sweeter. I, white wine. I'm getting a little bit of like a, a smoked meat jerky flavor. There's a little bit of eucalyptus what is there. What's up with your tongue? Your husband doesn't <laughs> I'm confused. Um, what, are, what are you drinking tonight, Nicole? I am drinking a Three Brothers Reserve um, Zinfandel. Oh, I love a Zinfandel. You know what? That's As do a, I. Yes. That's a really good pick with our Syrah because it's actually from um, Sibling Grapes. Is it? I know nothing about it. I'm going to be honest. A friend of mine brought it over the other night and I thought this is perfect because I didn't have time to go out and get the the royal bitch. Unfortunately, it sounds amazing. It is. It's really good. And by the way, it's It's like $11 a bottle. So I recommend it. And I'm already getting a little turnt from it. So I'm definitely digging it. Okay. Let's get into tonight's episode. Just a little bit of housekeeping. This aired May 19th, 1997. It was uh, written by Ashley Gable and Thomas Swyden. But the story was by Joss Whedon. This is the first time this series 
that we've seen. Now, he helped write the last episode, Nightmares. But this is the first time that we've seen a story by credit. And it was directed by Reza Bodie, which uh, I can't remember if they've ever directed anything after, but I know they haven't before. And the official synopsis is when an invisible person starts attacking students, Buffy and the gang must try to figure out who it is so they can stop her. Buffy and the gang. Love it. Buffy and the gang. Yeah. yeah it kind of sounds like a 70s disco band a little mm. bit. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, there's a lot in this episode to unpack. Yes. <laughs> yeah, lots of deep feels. Like... Uh, a lot. Yeah, I got. I, I have a lot I want to say. Nicole, do you just have any like initial thoughts? We usually kind of go through chronologically, but if you have any like big takeaways from the episode, we like to kind of tackle those up front. Well, um, I have to say that my husband and I we were we were watching it together and we were talking, trying to pinpoint the exact year, and we did say ninety seven, ninety eight, maybe ninety nine. Um, so we we then went and looked it up and saw that it was 97 and we're proud of ourselves because we were basing it on the clothing. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> thanks. Um, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I initially, I won't, I don't know if you like spoilers, but initially I thought the invisible girl was going to be paranormal. And then as the episode unfolded, it wasn't. So, you know paranormal stuff is my jam so I was like oh this is fitting and then I was but it made sense in the end it all came together and made sense well and I think that's one of the interesting things about some of the early seasons of Buffy is kind of the cross like what is paranormal I mean maybe you can explain that to us a little bit better than I ever could please do Oh no, no, don't don't ask me to do that. Um well what I'm sorry, it's in your podcast's <laughs> name. <laughs> well, the ten episodes that I have done because I've decided to do it in seasons and I might change that up. But um what I do is I interview people who have had paranormal or unexplained mysterious um experiences and then I write it into a short story, usually a narrative um, format. And the premise is that I am not trying to disprove or prove anything, but I think that people like paranormal stories because they just make great stories. Um, so I think that's why we I, all grow I, I, up telling telling ghost stories and stuff at slumber parties. They yeah. just, those yeah. are good yeah. stories. They, they evoke a emotion out of us, whether we believe in it or we don't believe in it. And I think that's the fundamental aspect of any good story. So um, that's what the podcast is about. So for me, paranormal is really anything that is unearthly. Huh. See what I did there? Just um, something that you can't explain. <laughs> something that you can't explain. That has no logical or rational explanation. Well, so, okay. I mean, granted, we end up finding out that this girl, there is a a quote-unquote rational explanation behind her being invisible, but I'm still not sure it doesn't fall into the paranormal. It's not otherworldly. But I would say... Because she's still in this world. But I would say it's it's not... Uh, But I guess... Earthly doesn't seem right either, you know? No, because, and it's like, how did she even manifest this 
magic to become invisible. So that in itself is paranormal, I would say. But I just kind of, at first, I thought she was going to be a ghost girl. I did. <laughs> I um, am still confused, actually. Because even Jaws' explanation, I was like, huh? What? Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get into we'll get it. it. We'll but, get there. But I think maybe the first thing that's most helpful is remembering the essential premise of the first three seasons of Buffy. And and Joss Whedon, his whole thing for the first three seasons was high school is literally hell. Mm, right, that's true. Which I think just about anybody, I mean... I mean, this um, is the fucking high school where someone gets killed every week. Yeah. It's legit hell. Quintina has, Quintina has some issues with the parents that continue to send their children. I don't understand. Uh, and, and and I think that that's fair. It's it, you've got to question them a little bit, but but if you go back to the whole thing about high school is literally hell, which I think everybody can to some degree understand. Yes. Uh, like like I think that that starts to make this make more sense. But uh, let's 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 take it chronologically. Let's break it down. So we start off, and everybody is campaigning for Cordelia. To be the May Queen. Yes. Which is essentially prom queen, but it's super weird because Cordelia is a sophomore, so wouldn't even necessarily be going to prom. It's the most popular bitch on campus. <laughs> so another reason for tonight's wine pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she's just walking around, she's like handing out candy and stickers, and it's and Buffy comes tripping out of the library, and for the first time in maybe the series, we see her kind of clumsy and, yeah. and struggling, and, and she, she trips over Cordelia and Cordelia's boyfriend, Mitch, the athlete, and she spills this whole bag of, kink of weaponry. Shit. It's fucking kink. Like, I would see that and be like, what type of shit are you getting into Okay, today? so it's, it's weaponry. <laughs> From Giles for her Slayer stuff, but yeah. yeah but. The way she was trying to explain this, like, oh, the librarian is really into collecting these things. I'm be like, you're in a, like, really crazy sex relationship with a librarian? Yeah, that's what that's, I'm gonna that's say. That's not cool. That's not yeah. cool. We don't like no. that. We no. don't encourage that. No. Um, but, uh, and Cordelia, so we get to see Buffy super uncomfortable for the, the first time ever. And Cordelia is, of course, being Cordelia. And I promise you, Quatina, Cordelia becomes nope. so great. But- I think I wrote here, Cordelia is trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> she does become so much more likable as the series goes on. As I hope so. Yeah. Uh, she does say, though, in this scene, and I don't love it, uh, why does the school admit mentals like her? Yeah. Did not like it. By the way, very 90s calling anybody you didn't mental. like a mental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, many 90s nominations on this episode. This episode was really hard to narrow in on the most 90s moment. Like, so many. Um, and then we go to English class, and they're talking about Merchant of Venice, which I will be honest with you is one of my favorite Shakespeare shows. I've always wanted to play Portia. And uh, uh, Cord- Cordelia has a very interesting point of view on the Merchant of Venice. But isn't this point of view, like, basically about her, too? Wasn't that the point that Josh was trying to make in her, like, like, he's so focused on himself. I'm like, bitch, that's you. No, well, hold on, okay. So, Merchant of Venice, I don't know, Nicole, what, what, 
I don't know. Do, are you a big fan of Shakespeare? <laughs> I am. A, I am, but I, I don't remember the Merchant of Venice well enough to discuss it. <laughs> so, by the way, the Robert De Niro version, so good. Watch the movie, but. Merchant of Venice, a lot of what she's talking about is you've got a character, Shylock, and he is a Jewish man in 15th century Venice, and he has been discriminated against, you know, the Jewish people can't do this and that and whatever. But all they can do is lend money. In fact, if you want to be able to lend money in Venice, you actually have to be Jewish. You can't be Christian. Yeah, it was against the law. Exactly. So he's kind of like shoved to the side but totally necessary in this society um and so jeremy irons uh from die hard three love that movie um jeremy irons is uh the man that borrows from him but can't uh or arms uh and and he can't pay him back in time so shylock the jewish man wants literally a pound of his flesh extracted which will obviously uh, kill him. Yeah. And the whole thing is basically he's like, I've been so discriminated against, it's my turn. Oh, right. right. And Cordelia no. is kind of like, why is it all about him? When, I, like, that that was his function. He knew what it was going into it. And it's almost like he doesn't care that Jeremy Irons went through something, too. I actually put here next to Cordelia is trash. Huh? She cares? I was like, she's giving input in class and she's actually like making a really good point. Like, yeah. That was a surprise. I mean, and maybe, oops, sorry. Maybe it was a crazy point, but a lot of high school teachers would just be thrilled that the student did the reading and is paying attention and participating. Especially the popular students. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, and that's the thing though, is the teacher at the end of that scene is like, I always appreciate your input they're interesting yeah um, oh can we just mention this is our first poc person of color she has lines a t- oh black yes yes happy i was we do have a person of color with a she has a name yes and lines and an entire job title i was that's exciting that that's really so exciting okay i was happy for you that means the first time because first we had a security guard who was the first fucking one killed in what second episode first episode yeah yeah trash. that was not great trash. didn't love that um so cordelia goes up to the teacher and is like i feel i'm focused about my paper so we learned cordelia after the last thing I heard was how the teacher was the first person of color. First person of color, yes. Less. Yeah. On the show. Yeah, so that's very good. exciting. She's the first person of color to have a name and a speaking role. Yeah. And how and and great lines and she is just a great teacher and happy I was. Um, that was our first. <clears throat> that was our yeah. That was like like the last episode we had a student with speaking lines. This is the first time we've had a person that's of color true. who's like an adult woman with speaking lines. So that's really great. Yeah. Cause I and you know okay so I actually found out today, originally uh, Joss Whedon wanted Cordelia to be a person of color. Cut. Yeah, but the problem is I'm sorry. This. What? No, get this. In 1997, spring of 1997. The WB was actually concerned about an interracial relationship. 
Really? And, yeah, and Joss decided he wanted it to be very fluid, where if he wanted, you know, this person to get with this person or have a crush on this person, that he could just pick and pull wherever he wanted. Oh, my God. So he decided it actually, at that point, wasn't worth fighting that fight. Um, and he didn't want to be hindered in the relationship dynamics of the shifting triangles. Oh my god. Really? Yeah. The crazy, that makes me so sad. You know, because, and by the way, it was only seven years later, I think, that he did Firefly, wherein the most, one of the biggest relationships in Firefly mm-hmm. was a white man and a black woman. <laughs> but, um, like, even the WB, who was considered to be the most, like, loose and open network at that point. Are they the ones with Animaniacs? Yes. I don't know, I don't pay yes. attention. But they were they were even still a little bit, we don't know how this is going to play. Wow. So we're just going to walk away from it. Wow. I just read kind that today. Trash. Trash. Sorry, guys. That was like, a little frustrating. Not sorry, actually. No. Fuck you guys. Not cool. Yeah, I, I just read 1997. That's so disappointing. I was, I was, yeah, in middle school. I, I, I was almost in high school at that point. Like, I, I was, can't believe it. Five. It's still in God. Still in God. I was 16, 17. Okay, yeah. So you and I were, yeah, I was 13 at that point. So that was, I, it's hard for me to, to think back to that. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't and I'm remember. glad for that. I'm glad for that. That at the same time, wow, that doesn't seem that long ago. It's honestly um, not. Well, then wasn't Buffy 2 the one of the first um, shows that had a, uh, lesbian relationship it was on on yes so no, we're not there yet Quintina. okay i won't talk about it i won't talk about it but i do okay. know it's coming I she do does know. know it's coming okay. she doesn't know who um but yes it, Willow? it was a really big deal back in the day um actually will and grace there's some jokes about it really yes yes i remember that i'm like what the seventh episode um and uh yeah no it was it was really big uh because I, I can't think of anything else Actually, back then, that involved a lesbian relationship. To think, to to be honest, in the nineties, I mean, other than uh, Will and Grace, like Friends, Ross's ex-wife was a lesbian. But that's that's, I think, the only thing I can come up with. Yep. So no, Joss, I I do believe, and there's some like hate about Joss, and I don't really know where to go on that. But I do believe that at the end of the day, he was trying to push some barriers. Thank you, Joss. So. He didn't push hard enough on the interracial shit, but I won't fault you. Well, I mean, yeah. Okay. So uh, so we're back to their in English class. Cordelia wants the teacher to help her with her paper. So the teacher says, come in tomorrow and we can work on that, which, by the way, is so nice. I mean, I definitely had teachers in high school that did that, but there were also teachers that were sort of like, uh, I'll give you input when I grade it. Yeah. Um, and, I'm off the clock. And by the way, my husband is a teacher, and he kind of, it depends on how much he likes the student. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you have any insight there, Nicole. No, I'm a teacher, and uh, yeah, I can see both sides. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so we get into uh, Mitch, the baseball player. He's taking a shower in the gym. Um, who has ever done that in the history Nomination of the world? for the 90s thing I've ever seen. Who takes showers <laughs> at school? Yeah, we, we talked about this a couple of episodes back about how showering like in the openness of the gym is, is really pretty gross. And it's who gross. has time between no. changing out of your clothes and getting to the next class? Absolutely no one had time. Maybe this is some fucking California free schedule, but we don't do that shit in Montgomery County, That's okay? True. They do have free periods a lot at random okay. points in the day. Not fair. 
<laughs> no, I remember, and I always just thought that it was because it was the 90s when I was in school, but our lunches were like 45 minutes, and we had... It just seemed like we had more time than what the kids I see at school have. But we didn't take showers. I don't remember that. <laughs> it's kind of And that, by the way, is why you walk into a high school and you smell it and you're like, yep, I'm in a high school. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm, gross. <laughs> so gross. But he gets, Mitch gets attacked by a lone baseball bat. Can we talk about the creepy thing he does when they're like, um, when the guys are talking to him and he's like, oh, I have to pick up my tux. And they're like, yeah, you're going to have Cordelia on your arm. Oh. And he's like, I oh, want yes. something else on, on her. That, like, that's, that's not what, or yes. my arm isn't where, hold on, I wrote it down. It was so gross. Um, that's like, that's not yeah, the only thing I, I, I want on it. her. I don't see it. Oh, it's not her arm I'm looking to be on. Yawn. Yeah. First of all, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, I'm um, trying to figure it out anatomically. Does he want to plank sense. on her? Is this what this, and they're just going to rub their genitalia together until stimulation happens and he erupts? I, like, I, I, I don't know, but it, it didn't make sense. It was gross. It was pervy. It was so, like, douchey. Oh, not a fan. Trash. Not a fan. Trash, and that's why he got his ass beat. But but let's talk about that, like the masculinity there. I mean, he got his ass kicked by, he can very clearly hear a girl laughing. Uh-huh. And, and he's looking around and he can't find her. And that, I thought that was really kind of powerful, actually. Oh, you into that? Well, no, not, not in that way, Regina. I, I was trying to have a deep moment here for a second. No, I was, try, I was trying to reflect on, here's this super masculine guy, and not only is he getting his ass kicked by, like, a big girl, a little girl, it doesn't matter. He doesn't know, but he knows it's, it's a, a woman. Yeah. And, God, that had to be the most disgusting thing ever to him. Boom, bitch. Gotcha. Fucked you up with his bat. She's really strong. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's the flute playing or the hanging out in an attic. <laughs> Builds up her muscles because she was beating Buffy's ass. Like, it's not just the fact that she was invisible, but the way she was knocking Buffy everywhere was, how are you this strong? Yeah, it was it was insane. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I loved it. I love, <laughs> for the record, I'm going to point out that Xander had a great joke about this. Uh, maybe it was a vampire bat. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not a thing, sweetheart. So, no, but it was hilarious. He, he's, he's trying. I like a Xander. He's trying. One day I'll warm up to him fully. Oh, I, I don't know. Him. I'm just not there yet. But but no, I think it, I think it really says a lot about this guy's masculinity that I got the crap kicked out of him by a girl laughing. Um, and right around the same time, Cordelia is just going through the hall campaigning handing out chocolates and she won't give one to Buffy because she's like I don't think I need the loony fringe vote (sighs) I mean mean, first of all I just read a stat today that only 28% of millennials quote unquote are planning to for sure vote in the 2018 midterm elections did you say 20? 28% Oh, wow. What? Yeah. Less than 30% of millennials are planning to vote in the midterm election. They must have lost their faith because of Trump. Mm. I'm just no. saying, lost faith like, in our... the, no. the loony fringe.
fringe vote or whatever vote, like, I don't care. Show up and vote. I don't care if it's for prom queen. I don't care if it's for president. Just show up and vote. (laughs) I am so annoyed with this whole, like, I'm over this and whatever democracy our apathetic sucks. attitude that goes with most of our young youth yeah they're I, quite, just if you want to make a difference vote nobody's something. gonna listen to you unless you're doing something about it i'm sorry to like go off that's how we got into this mess in the first place yeah, exactly i mean again my husband was just saying today that um in the in the late 90s early 2000s they did a, a survey in high schools and 90% of students said that democracy is very important. And then they did the same, uh, asked the same question in 2017 mm-hmm. in high schools, and it was 55%. Holy shit. where did we go wrong? high schoolers think that democracy is important. That's, I, I just, that's I fucking can't. disappointing. So I know that maybe this is taking a little bit of a leap, but I'm sorry, I saw that today. And then Cordelia makes the comment about not needing this certain vote, and I just went a little, like, <laughs> red rage tunnel vision. Yeah. Everybody show up. I honestly, and I say this with, like, a very close friend of mine is actually a Trump supporter. Ugh. And I still <clears throat> encourage Ugh. everybody. You know what, though? If they're the ones that show up, then we get what we get. Like, that's the ugly part of democracy but it's why we need to show up everybody should be voicing themselves okay thus endeth the rant let's get back (laughs) to great stuff let's let's get into um buffy is just trying to talk to whoever it is she has no idea she keeps hearing flute noises which by the way Christina, do you remember wait pause Yes. Before we even like get there, can we just talk about how she was trying to get into the locker room? And at the beginning, they're wheeling this guy out, and the principal is like, "You hate the principal." I fucking hate him. And then um, they're like, "Is he dead?" And the student, the t- principal's like, "No dead students this week." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, you're fucking right." Because this school, Sunnydale, kills all its students. Yeah, a good chunk. It's it's not again as a parent. I would be very nervous sending my child to Sunnydale. Yeah. Um, I do like that all it takes is Willow and Xander talking about, like, his dad is a a lawyer and he's going to sue. And all of a sudden, Snyder is like, oh, wait, what are we doing? Yeah. Everything changes. (laughs) And then she can sneak in and then she gets to hear the flute noises and sees the words on the locker that says, look. Look. But do you remember how two episodes ago I told you to uh, remember how during the talent show, every once in a while when you didn't see anybody else that was there, you heard a flute? Oh my (laughs) fucking god! (gasps) Shut the- you can bleep me out here. Shut the fuck up! Holy fucking shit! No, it's not that. I just love, I love details. I fucking love when in the show, everything's connected because they did that earlier in the episode when they talked about, they talked about defeating something. They have an experience in defeating something. And I was like, oh yeah, that was like the this episode. I love that when they bring stuff up, I love when they connect the entire season. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I so, love it. Yeah. So Quatina's done freaking out. Yeah, three. So like three or four times we heard flutes in the last episode. Wow. And we couldn't see anybody. 
And that was when she thought it was the dummy coming to attack them. Wow. Yeah, but it was really... So the whole time they were just prepared for the... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, Impressed I am. Impressed. Yes, uh, Okay. So Buffy... Pause. I know you mentioned in the last episode that he helped write that. Joss helped write... Joss write, wrote the last episode. So then that was him, and like... And then the story was from him this time. Joss, you are a man of talent. Which, by the way, this story, apparently, of Marcy, it was based on his feelings and experiences from high school. Wow. Joss Whedon, he apparently felt like a Marcy in high school. And that's why it was hell for him. Yeah, he wow. he really gets into what high school is like for him, and I think it's really beautiful when he does. Um, because, and here's one of the things that I like about this show. They, a lot of shows, especially in the 90s, when they're talking about high school, you've got the popular group and the unpopular group. Joss actually kind of has that, like, weird hierarchy built in where, you know, I've said a lot of the time, um, I was definitely not one of the popular kids. I was not a cheerleader. I wasn't student government, whatever. But I was kind of the queen of the nerds. So I sort of had like diplomatic status to go and (laughs) to go and communicate with like the popular kids. You know, I could I could go and talk to them. I could sit at their lunch table occasionally. Uh, I actually had a senior superlative and everything. But it was just because I kind of leaned into my nerdiness just enough. That I could kind of, like, walk between two worlds a little bit. Yeah. And I feel like they sort of do that here, where you've got, you know, Buffy is clearly not the lowest of the low. She's not even... She's not a Marcy, where, by the way, the worst thing that happened to Marcy was Marcy was invisible. Yeah. Yeah. People didn't know who she was, which I would like to put out there to the group, what what would have been worse in high school for you, being invisible or sometimes were you too visible? Because I definitely remember, I have, like, some of the most horrifying, embarrassing moments of my life were people noticing I did something super weird. Uh-huh. Or I was dressed super weird. I'm kind of like, I don't know, I feel like invisible might have felt better. Mm, no. I don't no? think anyone likes feeling invisible. I don't like, like, just imagine, like, when someone gives a cold shoulder to you, let's say, like, let's say you're in an argument with someone. Like, whenever someone feels indifferent towards you and you're not even... Like, someone doesn't even recognize you, that hurts and that fucking sucks. And this is, like, in every avenue, not even just high school. In a relationship, in everyday life, anytime someone doesn't acknowledge you, it hurts. And your anger builds up and builds up. And I would not want to feel invisible. It would... I can see why Marcy got to that point. Because that shit sucks. It hurts you deep down to your core. What do you think, Nicole? (sighs) I think that it really just depends on your personality. I wouldn't mind being invisible i think that if because i'm the type of person if you don't if you don't like me or you don't want me around that's fine just leave me be so i think that if i was feeling more visible because i had done something stupid and was embarrassed that would be worse but i can see where you're definitely coming from (laughs) i feel like like at that point in high school when you're just finding yourself and developing you wouldn't have had that perspective in high school yet. Probably not. It takes takes a long time. Like, I am comfortable with where I am now, but it took a long time for me to get here. Yeah. In high school, I would not have been that person. And, you know, in high school, 
you have a very like egocentric point of view and mm. the biggest thing is popularity and people focusing on you. You're not really into that this is my niche, this is my clique, like this is who I am and I don't really give a fuck about other people. As long as I have the people who care about me and who love me, that's all I need. It, that wasn't really a thing that's in high true. school. You know? Yeah. No, I'm sure I'm sure I would have a very per- different perspective then. Um, yeah. And I think, and I see from being a teacher, I see that exclusion and, and is a big part of what kids do to be mean. Well, and so I want to get in a little bit tonight. Side note is, and I promise this, we're going to get into it a bit. I'm sure there are going to be more episodes where we talk about this, but tonight's side note is really in bullying. Mm. So I did a little bit of research. I would hope that. So here's the definition. Um, bullying is the intimidation, be it physical, emotional, uh, mental, or sexual intimidation, mm-hmm. and this can be done um, in person or um, uh, via note or text, cyberbullying, anything like that that leads to uh, a, a person to feel as though they are in fear of anything. Their safety mm-hmm. is in danger. Again, be it mental, sexual, physical, emotional. emotional. Yeah. 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 Um, and bullying is a really, really big deal. A recent stir- uh, survey done in the U.S. said that between grades 6 through 12, 28% of students admit to having been victims of bullying. I will be honest with you, I was surprised it was that low. I feel like it's higher. It's just some people don't want to open up about it or some people aren't aware that certain things are them being bullied, you know, or some type of abuse. It's kind of like someone being in an abusive relationship and they don't necessarily recognize it until they're out of it. Yeah, I agree with that. That's exactly what I'm saying. Wow, maybe I should drink more because I kind of sound smart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, the more I read, like, the more upset that I got because I remember... Bullying being a thing. Um, in fact, my little brother, unfortunately, was a really big uh, target to bullies a lot growing up. Um, and he kind of had a very steep learning curve to who he was. It wasn't until maybe his junior year of college that he really figured himself out. And now he's he just got admitted to PhD programs. Hey. Like, All right. Teachers back in the day literally called my parents up and were like, this is right around Columbine. And we're sort of like... We think that he might be the next trench coat mom. Oh. He was treated so terribly. Oh, my goodness. He was, you know, he was a skinny kid, uh, super pale, and he didn't really have a lot of friends. He he had dyslexia in elementary school. Mm. Took him a long time to overcome a lot. And it wasn't until high school that he found a couple of teachers that really engaged his mind and Mm. got him going, like, on literature and history and a bunch of things. And... He finally starts college, and he's like, oh, my God, I love to learn, and I love to read. And, um, and, and, and when he started, when he came to me, and I feel terrible about this because he's my brother just younger than me, he came to me, and he would start talking to me about Dostoevsky or something, and I'm a big bookworm, and I was kind of like, oh, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm the smart one in the family. <laughs> so I feel a little bad. Like, I probably bullied him a little bit. But... Um, and now he just got admitted to a PhD program. Hey. He's been invited to speak at like four literature conferences. Wow. 
Oxford talked to him about coming and joining. How him. old is he? He yeah, he's not into you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard these days. He's super Mormon. He's super Mormon, super, super white. Mormon. Not yeah. even thinking of a woman of color. Cool. Uh, no, th- no, that's not it. It's just he's super Mormon. I'm just I'm going sorry. for that. I'm Mormon. In my mind. No, you're not. No, I'm not. I wouldn't. I saw. I, no offense to Mormons. I could never. But yeah. So anyway, so he, he was definitely bullied, though. And teachers were constantly calling him out as a potential. But they were calling him out as a, like, he was bullied so bad. They were calling him out as a potential school shooter or something like that. And not doing anything about the kids that were bullying the yeah. crap out of him. Instead, they're going to the victim. God, yes. victim blaming. Isn't that the worst? All the way through. I, I like, don't. I, I, and I want to say that that was again. Like I'm trying to isolate it as that was a very scary time. Like again, that was my freshman year of high school, and mm-hmm. Columbine happened, and and nobody knew what was going on, and it was it was like, how can these kids do this? Yeah. But I look back, and I'm just. It's amazing that he's accomplished what he has. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're saying that 160,000 kids every day in the U.S. skip school because they've been bullied. Wow. Um, it definitely happens more often to girls, but just barely, like mm-hmm. four or five percent more. Um, it's very highly targeted at LGBTQ youth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also 57% of boys and 43% of girls report being bullied because of religious or cultural differences. And this wow. number has Increased. unfortunately obviously gone up since things since. like 9-11 yeah. and, you know, um, girls yes. that wear hijabs. And Trump being elected. And Trump, and thank you. No, I was going to be the I one to say it, it but yes. I have seen it firsthand in the schools. It has definitely, especially in the area that I'm in, it, I've seen it difference and what area sure. is that fredericksburg fredericksburg yeah. Oh, yeah oh yes in the virginia oh yes yeah my my husband teaches kind of in um uh a rural area of maryland and it's been a bit of a struggle for him uh it, he keeps talking about the trump effects have you have you looked into that i haven't but um i'm sure when i do i'll i'll understand it <laughs> Yeah, I think you can imagine what it is, but it's something that scholars are now definitely starting to call out, especially things like um, going up to kids that are of Latin American descent. Chanting build a wall. Saying things like, I can't wait until Trump deports your family and build yeah. that wall, things like that. It's, yeah. Look, this this is a podcast where we are not afraid to be like, you know what? Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, because it's a reality of things, and people need to understand what other people are going through. What What is happening right now, we are not afraid to take that stance of it's not It's not okay. It's not okay. Any, any student that is afraid to show up at school because of their family's heritage, their skin color, their sexual orientation, that's just not something that I, I can be okay with. No, I can't ever envision living in the world. I do, unfortunately, but... I mean, you're a woman of color. Yes. And I'm sure you've seen a different... I mean, you're also an, from an immigrant family. Yeah, exactly. I immigrated to America in 2000, and um, I actually just became a citizen, what, 2011? It's a very long process. Um, I give thanks to my dad for him setting everything up for us. Um, that was a pretty big thing. But, um, yeah, the change I've seen, the 
experiences, the things that I've heard from other people. I'm lucky enough that I haven't had to experience as many things, but I do experience a lot of microaggressions, definitely. Mm -hmm. But um, what other people are sharing with me, and it's just it just hurts. I've actually gotten to the point where, you know, there's either to the point where with this presidency, you're either fighting as hard as you can, or I just feel like as a person of color, like especially with things that have also been going on with police brutality, I've kind of taken a step back from social media because it's just seeing these things just hurts and it's just very frustrating. So I've kind of taken a step back from everything, but I'm definitely seeing the effect of trauma these days. And I can't imagine if you were a high school student right oh, now. Oh, so much worse. I'm just yeah. glad that I'm more situated in myself that I know how to like take a step away from things. But if I actually had to deal with this as a high school student, I don't know how I would deal at all. Would you maybe start feeding the crap out of baseball guys uh, with a bat <laughs> in if, the locker room? If I had the ability to, I would attack every single uh, white conservative, ma ultra masculine male in my school, and just beat the shit out of them. Toxic masculinity, which Toxic is again another another theme that we see a lot throughout Buffy is this concept of toxic masculinity for sure um, and and uber feminism where it's kind of like uh, you need to step back for a second yeah and remember that sometimes you're not the one that has the power no 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 um, and sometimes it doesn't come down even to physical strength it's the mental strength or the emotional strength it takes to make it through very true um we, so to get back into the episode a little bit more, um, so Cordelia is there and the teacher is attacked by Marcy. Not just yet. What happens? Because at this point, um, uh, Cordelia goes in to check in on Mitch, whatever the fuck his name is. Um, and oh, then Mitch. at this point, she's talking to her friend about it. And I'm like, oh, at this point, I'm like, oh, she, she actually cares about Mitch. She's worried about him. And then it comes up. She's like, well, how's he going to look at our prom pictures? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're I'll, so self-centered. I, I, I will give you, I, look, this is, this is not, it's not the worst Cordelia episode. It's, it's not the best. It's not the best. Either. Like, I see sneak peeks of her, like, coming through, but it's just. She has that beautiful conversation with Buffy about, you think that just because I'm popular, I never feel lonely. Yeah, that's wonderful. I. <laughs> Sorry, did I sound sarcastic? <laughs> and again, again, I was not a popular kid by any stretch of the imagination. I, I was my senior superlative. I was voted most likely to win an Oscar, and that was mostly because I did five shows a year. Mm -hmm. And would literally, like, wear my nerdy-ass theater costume from Oklahoma to school for the day to promote people Oh, my God, I show. remember doing that for Greece. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. So, um, so I was by far not popular. But I, again, was a little bit, like, kind of the, the queen of the nerds. Like, I had lunch every day in the teacher's room where he ran the chess club and kids played D and D over on the side. Yikes. Okay, it was it was certainly not where the cool kids hung out. No. And I was, I was, but I was kind of like the queen of the nerds. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there were a lot of times where it was sort of like I would rather feel like these guys wanted to hang out with me and talk to me about something as opposed to like 
she's one of the few girls that will talk to us. I, I, I look that might be like the craziest, most elitist bitch thing I've ever said, <laughs> but but I like I feel like I get where Cordelia's coming from. Not nope. I don't think it either. feels very real to me. Nice to have that privilege, Cordelia. Good for you. <laughs> Some of us don't. <laughs> okay, charisma. I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, she really has to prove herself to me. We'll see when she gets there. Um, it just, it felt, it felt authentic yeah. to the high school experience. Yeah, not into it. Okay. I think at this point she has gone on and um, Cordelia is trying on her dress for the May Queen. Yeah, why? In school? Why is she trying on her prom <laughs> dress? At the school with like eight, with like her maids in waiting. <laughs> it reminded me of freaking what, Phantom of the Opera, Prima yeah. Donna. That <laughs> number where all the people are oh around the God, Prima that Donna. Dress looks so much like it. Yeah, when it's going and out and like. Oh, oh we're singing so, again. Let me stop. So, but but that dress, that dress was so quintessentially like. I was like ninety eight, ninety nine. I mean, come on, Nicole, right? What is yes. this material? Oh yes, I I think one of my prom dresses was the same style, different color, but very similar style. Yeah, oh it had it goodness. had like three different fabrics. There was like <laughs> the brocade top that had a slightly pattern. Now was that up for the most nineties like thing? The iridescent, shiny, sheer something. Oh my goodness. Skirt. Oh yeah, I def- I think I think it could be the most nineties nineties thing. I think it be it could be up there. I, it's definitely in the top. Although three. Buffy's long trench coat corduroy jacket, exactly. oh look more like that a was shirt. that was very nineties. I'm sorry. Are we talking about her full leather outfit? Because that no, was that really was, fucking nineties. That was a different outfit. Yeah, where she's wearing like the fake leather pants, the fake leather yes. jacket, and oh. the boots. This, Leather. This outfit had, or this, this episode had so much 90s so happening. Much. It was, you know what, guys? I'm not going to lie. I owned, like, every outfit from mm-hmm. this episode. And I I looked good back in the day. I mean, my hair was a mess. I, st- I looked- still thought Buffy looked very good. She always looks good. Yeah, she way, her waist cute. is so snatched. Like, oh my god! The, like, the whew. more I watch, the more her hair looks like Rachel Green from Friends. Oh. <laughs> it's Rachel Green from Friends. I know you've never seen Friends. Oh, Rachel, okay. Rachel. How have you managed never to see Friends? Yeah, Jennifer she, Aniston. That's it. She's that's a her. baby. That's how. Because uh. also, by the way, rewatching this time with you, Quatina, the mm. more Xander reminds me of Chandler. Oh, yes, yeah. I can oh, see he's that. The, he's he the dumb so, guy from Friends. He has so many moments where he's like, "Could it be any more clear?" Oh, you mean like can at that moment, the vampire when he talks about the powers to protect the girls' locker room? Yeah, the power like, to protect the girls' locker Sander, room. Sander, shut up! <laughs> and then we get, of course, your two favorites had a scene together. I legit Tina. put. Bay before anything else in capital letters. Wait, which one is Bay though? Giles okay. or Angel? I'm okay, curious. um, let's understand. Bay is Angel. Giles <laughs> is Zaddy because he's grown and oh, you know, okay. Zaddy. You do Bae. understand though theoretically, Angel is like two hundred years old. He than doesn't Giles. look that way though. Okay, so, so that's what he's my Bay. Okay, so Bay means Zaddy. And at some point, you know, 
um, Bay brings up Angel. I'll just use the proper terms. Angel brings up the fact, like, Joss is like, but I don't have this book about the Slayer because we're trying to find out about this invisible girl. And um, Angel's like, well, that book was just misplaced. I can get the book. And the way Giles looks at Angel, I was like, you have fallen in he love with thirsty. this. He thirsty. Am I using that right? Yeah. He, he looks, looks super thirsty. thirsty. He's like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, yes, give me this book and fuck me on top of it. I was like, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> By the way, any library I've ever met, that's exactly how they go. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but I do want to say a couple of things about this scene. So first of all, the books that Giles lists that he doesn't have access to are... The Tiberius Manifesto. Okay. Right, that sounds okay. The Agamemnon Codex. So Agamemnon, like the guy from the that? Odyssey. Is that? Oh my god! I actually knew like that. Like the Trojan Wars and all of that. The I Codex, remember this. They, they spoke about the Slayers. I don't know that. That just felt like they were throwing. I think they were just. They were just throwing Thanks, gibberish Josh. together. Uh, that Thanks, one Josh. felt a little lazy. But what I really want to talk about from this scene is Giles is looking in and he can see his reflection and he doesn't know that Angel is there because he can't see Angel in the reflection. Mm-hmm. All right. Angel's a vampire. Makes sense. But the reason why we can't see vampires reflection in, you know, vampire lore and mythology is because your reflection or, like, if you take a picture, you know how a lot of tribes it's think that you're taking their soul? Yeah. So, like, the whole thing about vampires and you can't see their reflection is because they don't have a soul. But Angel has a soul. Oh. Yeah. oh. So shouldn't we be able to see Angel's reflection? So then, is that the theory that Josh is actually basing this on then? So then it's not. Well, I mean, that's just, like, common vampire lore. like Yeah, that you don't Bram see. Stoker. No, but that it's tied to a soul. Like, that's why you can't take a picture of certain people and whatever. Oh. It's because, like, your reflection, your physical manifestation wow. has to do with your soul. So, that Yous. has been bothering me ever since I read this You've made a very good point. And yeah, now is, I'm interested. This has really been bothering me for, like, okay. it's, it's, it's legit kept me up at night for a couple of times. Okay, now, now I get it. I'm into you. I get it. But also, this episode is all about you can't see the one girl. That's true. Marcy. <laughs> Marcy. But you also can't see Angel. I, I don't know. Like I just feel like there's so much to unpack here, but I don't know where to go. I just thought I would throw that out there. Everybody on Twitter, have fun. <laughs> thanks, Potter. All, all 130 followers. Yeah, thanks for getting us there. Um, but I do love when Giles comments, a vampire in love with a slayer. Poetic, in a maudlin sort of way. If we had a most British thing said per episode, that would definitely be that. That that would be for sure. That's saddy. Always making these comments. Um, and then of course he also says invisibility by all counts is a wonderful power to possess. Looking in the mirror, seeing no one there, Angel goes overrated pleasure. Oh, it's always gonna do. Uh, but then we get into, we start seeing Marcy interacting, trying to raise her hand with the teacher, the and the teacher flashbacks. doesn't see her. But this She's is after they killed, to... try to get the teacher. This is after she tries yes. to choke the yes. teacher. Let me tell you, so she puts a bag over the teacher's head, and I'm like, are you serious? Is she actually going to get to kill the first black woman with <laughs> lines? Yeah. But then yeah. it's cool because Cordelia finds her, and she doesn't die. I was happy. <laughs> see, Cordelia cared. Yeah, she wanted 
Lizzo. So fuck that bitch. <laughs> no. Um, Buffy sunglasses. Oh yeah, because she's checking out the May Queen ceremony. So fucking nice. Yeah. Um, um at this point she goes into the music room, she climbs up to the ceiling, and then she finds out, damn, this bitch lives here. There's a bed. There's a bed. That's really strange. Like, why isn't Marcy just living at home? Okay, now I'm worried. Cause then does that mean Marcy had like troubles at home? Maybe that's why she was feeling a bit. So one of the things that I thought was very I thought, uh, I don't know about that. <clears throat> um was when they say that a girl went missing six months ago and Willow and Xander had no idea about it. And I was like, come on. If somebody went missing in a high school, everyone would know about it. Yeah, not just because, by the way, they find out they had four classes a day together. Yeah. But it, it, it would have been a big deal. That's like Kim that on the would have been a huge deal. I thought that was a bit of a plot hole. Especially a very affluent community like that. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're not talking inner city or anything. Yeah. And especially since when anything happens in the school, everyone hears about it at some point. Yeah. Like every fucking person. Yeah. I mean, Mitch got hit by the baseball bat and the whole school shut down for the afternoon. But then does this like emphasize the point that she truly was invisible and no one- Oh, maybe. Maybe. Like, that's how she invisible, that's how ignored she was. Wow. Maybe. Wow. She yeah. didn't even make it to the milk carton. Yeah. Like, maybe even Damn. her parents You didn't are good. God, this is, oh, ah, it's one I drink only. And ah. then, and, and the whole, like, have a nice summer in the yearbook thing. So the then, hags? I thought I'd see hags, but I didn't. They just so, put have a great summer. Oh, oh, that's what hags stands for? Have yeah, a have a great, great summer. summer. <gasps> Wait, no, so we had, they said have a nice summer, actually. Yeah, Willow was like, I said have a great summer, so... That's hags. I, I knew that she was around. Like, that was Willow's defense. Yeah. Uh, no, because we Barely. did the, you are too cool to be forgotten. Oh, wow. I don't... That's a lie. <laughs> I don't even think I got into the signing of yearbooks. Like, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, is, that still, uh, is that still a big thing? No, I actually... um was the yearbook advisor this past year and no people uh yeah it, it was it was all right um <laughs> nobody signs yearbooks anymore like it's not done nobody really buys you know what high schoolers do because i worked with high school uh, no sorry elementary school kids uh, elementary yeah, wait, they, yearbooks in they, elementary they do school? have yearbooks and they're always going around trying to get that shit signed for real like, so they, the younger ones are into it. I think the high school ones are too cool to care. So, yeah. But that definitely is, the younger ones. That makes me sad and nostalgic in weird ways. Yeah, they're so innocent in elementary school. Uh, they still care about each other, kind of. Uh, I do like that this is where Giles says, they're talking, have a nice summer. That's the kiss of death. And Giles says, once again, I teeter at the precipice of the generation gap. Uh, and they explain, like, that's the worst thing anybody like it'd be better if people didn't write in your yeah. book yeah because if they're writing have a nice summer that means they don't really care for you they that, just that seemed weird but let me change that uh but then he says oh that's where he figures it out i've been investigating the metaphysical aspects of invisibility when i should have been looking at the quantum mechanical yeah, that I was like, where the where are we going with this, Giles? I, this is one of you're those places. So hot, and you're so smart, but I hate when you talk <laughs> like this because I don't understand Th you. This is one of the places where they look at him 
as though he's insane. Yes. And he's like, ugh, the physics. Yeah. As though they should have known that. And I was kind of like, I, I'm a little bit on their side. Yeah. I, I was looking at him like that, too, because I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. What that was saying? weird. I'm not sure quantum mechanics. I don't really know what quantum mechanics. It's physics. Man. Yeah, that, physics. That, that actually clears nothing <laughs> up. This is, look. I might have an MS degree, but it's because you put a dollar sign in front of any equation and suddenly I can oh, solve it. yeah. That's it. That's it. Other than that, I can't do math. So then, this is when he explains this theory as to how she becomes invisible. Please explain this to me. I don't okay. understand. Okay. I think, and Nicole, feel free to jump in at any point. Okay. Okay. I believe what he is saying is, Essentially, her energy, she kept putting it out there. She would raise her hand, she would talk to somebody, and she's basically expelling energy. Mm -hmm. um, and energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only be changed. So, he's basically saying, like, she raises her hand and nobody sees her. Eventually, she, while still being there, becomes invisible that, 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 that's what I, I was Yeah, I, uh, so... Any, any thoughts, Nicole? No. <laughs> this, this shit was so difficult. I feel like it was such BS stuff to I, move away from well, the paranormal thing. Yeah, I think that it probably was just looking for an explanation. Well, they are on a hellmouth. Okay, I get that. And, and I have seen later seasons that would basically lean into that as though the mystical energy that comes off of the hellmouth okay. can sort of transform things. I feel like so if they mention that. So it's sort of like, okay, Joss gets you 50% there and the hellmouth is like just the other 50% where it's like, well, it kind of just all evens out in the end. Okay. Did I get that? Because in the past episodes where we've had... Um, suspension of disbelief thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I get that. Totally. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I kind of get it if you're like living at the Hellmouth. That completely makes sense because in the past episodes well, we haven't just had... Do they know no, that no, that's yet, what I'm, that's what, No, that's what I'm saying. Do they know, do they that, know that, that yet? Does Buffy, Does Buffy and Giles well, know that they're on? they're on? They do. Yes. No, they know okay. that from the, the first episode. It's called Welcome to the Hellmouth. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so, and Marcy has been living there. So maybe she's more susceptible for sure. Um, I totally get that. I kind of wish that um, Giles mentioned that as he was discussing this with well, me. Well, maybe. Because it would have made me go, right, Hellmouth, this energy, this makes sense. But, like, without mentioning the Hellmouth, I was kind of like, how are we getting to this But point? I guess maybe, and the only thing is, look, I'm not saying this isn't a little bit lazy, but maybe they're just saying that at this point in the season we're kind of like okay the hellmouth does weird things let's just for sure accept go that with it because we haven't always had vampire shit happen we've had other shit right happen. yeah mm -hmm. i mean because this right. this is like the second episode where we get angel and it's not really for vampire reasons yeah exactly you know okay have have yeah, you met, you met Smite, Smite, Spike, yet? Spike yet? No, is, he comes on in four episodes. Oh, no, okay, no, then I won't, no. I won't say no more. I won't say any more. Are you a Spike Stop fan? It. Hold on. I am. I am a Spike fan. Yes. You will come back on when we have Spike on because okay. Spike. Oh, okay. All right. I'm not. I'm not gonna. But yes, you and I will talk. <laughs> um. By the way, I also love that Cordelia comes in and she's like, 
this is all about me, 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 me. Yeah, I was like, of course, and, bitch. And Xander goes, God, for once she's not wrong. Yeah, like, oh, you're actually right. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then she's... Buffy's like, why did you come to me? Well, you're always around when weird stuff happens and you have all these weapons. And I don't know, I guess I was kind of hoping you're in a gang. Yeah. Yeah. When she said that, I was, I wrote that down, kind of hoping you were in a gang. I was like, really? Seriously. The, my favorite line, though, is when Charles was like, I don't think I've ever seen you in here. And she's like, oh, no, I have a life. <laughs> <Sweet>. <laughs> Again, like, yes. as a super nerd that spent a lot of my time in the library yeah. growing up, I yeah. was kind of like, she was like, no, Giles, you're not going to see But that here. was very accurate. Giles has only seen, like, four students in this school. Right, because we got that into that. weird guy who was really into the poetry of Emily Dickinson and the three of them. Because they got so upset when that kid came in, Owen, comes into the library while he's talking to Buffy. And Giles is sort of like, why is there a student in the, in the library? Because they're supposed to be here, Giles, and this is part of your job. Yeah. Come uh, Okay, so again, this is where we get Cordelia changing in a mop closet. Yeah. Um, it beats being alone by yourself. Giles, Willow, and Xander all have to go after Mercy, something they can't see. Yeah. At this point, they were actually planning their, they were doing their planning. I feel like this happens all the fucking time. They're planning something, and the person who they're trying to go against overhears and destroys their plan. Master strategists, they are not. No, they're so bad at this. They sit in an open library and openly discuss what they're going to do. And then what happens? They get locked in a room. They get locked in a room with the gases off. Like they got tripped by by a um by a recorder playing the flute. And he's like, maybe I can convince her to um, change her mind. Goes in there. Oh, it's a recording, and we're trapped. Yeah. And this room is slowly filling with gas. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I I did like. Again, more of this scene between Buffy and Cordelia, where we learned Buffy in her old school was actually really popular. She yes. she she was the May Queen or whatever at her That's old school. That's very true. That's very yes. true. And and she says something to Cordelia, and Cordelia is like, "In what alternate universe were you popular?" And and Buffy's trying to respond to that. And again, this goes after Puppet Show, where she kind of dealt with the real the reality that the only way to get out of a Slayer gig mm-hmm. is if she dies. Oh yeah, like she can be Buffy the Vampire Slayer and not have a normal high school life, or she can be dead. Those are her options. Nightmares. She deals with everything that happened with her parents, and she's terrified that she's the reason her parents split up mm-hmm. and she's terrified about becoming a vampire and that happens the last episode mm-hmm. and we find out Giles biggest fear is that he you fails Buffy and and she dies because he failed her mm. and then we get this episode where we learn that she for a while got to be a very normal if not above average teenage girl living the dream she was a cheerleader for sure she she was the the prom queen i feel like and we got now bits and pieces of that during the like entire season though a like little when bit. she went out for cheerleading when she tried out for that she was that trying kid, to regain some yeah, of that she was trying to regain some of that because i you could tell because when she first came in here and xander saw her when she has the beauty she has the 
fashion. She can totally be, she has potential to be a popular person. It's just that at that point, her slayer, you know, past, present, whatever, yeah. follows her. And then she befriends Willow and Xander. Yeah, and then but, it kind of But I just still feel like it's that. just the last few episodes that she's really coming to terms with what this means. For her life. That's oh yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. I mean, but I feel like I, I got bits and pieces that well, yeah. you must have been pretty popular. Well, hopefully, yeah. yeah. I mean, Nicole, what do you think? Like, what can you imagine? Like having a student that that's like Buffy. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's that's a loaded question. <laughs> well, wait, uh, a transfer student coming from a different school who has you know this kind of broken past or. Who, who burned down her former school's gym. <laughs> um, I wasn't, I, no, I, I, this is the first episode of Buffy that I have watched in a long time, but I did watch it in, when it was on, um, and I've seen it since then. Um, but no, I always was not surprised at all to hear that Buffy was a popular girl. I think, I always got the impression that she was the slayer back at her own, in her own town, but it wasn't until she moved to Sunnydale that she really comes into her own as the slayer because there's so much more activity. I mean, they're at the helm. Yeah. So. yeah. so it like has to be her main focus. Whereas before it really wasn't the case. It was just something that, oh, there's a vampire. I got to kick its ass. Yeah, and then, you know, it was always just once in a while. But now that she's in a place where there's more activity, it's a priority. I don't know. That was yeah, my that, impression. No, that, 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 that's mostly it. it. It's weird because the movie with Pierce D. Swanson that Joss Whedon wrote and directed, um, they've kind of had to be like, yes, there's this one side of it, the movie, and we're going to take about two thirds of it. But to make this a TV show, we've had to change a lot of it. Yeah. You know, can I um, say something? Yes. I cut this out. But um, I legit, it's really hard not to like watch ahead and like binge watch all it the is, episodes. I know. Yeah. But so part of it is um, in terms of the TV show. Yeah. She found out she was a vampire slayer for about a year before she actually had to move. But that was when her parents were going through the divorce and mm -hmm. it started kind of slowly. And then there was this huge, terrible thing essentially at their uh, prom and she ended up having to stake a lot of the like senior class and burn the gym down yo what the fuck happened to this so school? and that is that's <laughs> that's kind of why she had to move to sunnydale um and there's there's further implications later in the series that the watchers council had something to do with her mom getting a job in sunnydale and that's kind of like why it worked out that way oh. Um, but yeah, so it definitely is, but you know, there's a lot of it that it wasn't the focus that it was there, but also she'd only known she was a slayer for maybe a year at that point. And, and her watcher had died. Whoa. Or, well, I don't remember. Did she have a watcher at that point? She did. Uh, Dan Daniel Sutherland, David, oh, something D Sutherland. Um, I don't remember if he died or just uh, something happened. I'm pretty sure he died. Um, and so, you know, for like six months, like she only had a watcher essentially for like three to six months and then she was moving to Sunnydale and all this happened and she gets Giles and, and so this is all still pretty new. Like she, she gets the basic 
lore, you know, once in a generation a slayer is born, but she yeah. doesn't understand what any of that really means for her. Jaws is the one that really feels her in. And then and, her experiences are the ones that And even really... season one, you know, she it, it's not until season five that she actually is like tell me about slayers. Mm. It's it's you know, it's kind of like, ah, you know what, I can I can get out there and I can I can slay, I can kill, I can I can handle this. This is great, you know, I'm I've got a vampire boyfriend and I can do this and I can do that and it's all Did you just say vampire boyfriend? Thanks a lot, Meg. In all fairness, there are a lot of them, so I didn't spoil anything. A lot of vampire boyfriends? You just spoiled a second thing. That's not spoiling it. I figure out shit from little details. Uh, So let's finish this up. Uh, Okay. She said, so Marcy takes Buffy and knocks her out with a syringe, which I still can't watch no matter what. I... I don't know where she got that weird old-fashioned doctor's bag full of drugs. And the, and the Novocaine and the or whatever root. it is to numb everyone's face. Because Cordelia's like, I can't feel my face. And I'm like, but you can still arch your eyebrows? Right. I'm sure that's not how that works. Um, why is she doing this? And Marcy is like, the loneliness, the constant exile. Yeah. Uh, you're not the student, Cordelia. You're the lesson. So her no. plan is to just... Go to town on her face, make her as hideous as possible. Yeah. So that the rest of the school knows don't screw with the invisible. Thanks. But if they're invisible, how is that gonna help it? Yo, at this point, what are the words that we found? Look and and then in the teachers. It's room, look, listen, listen and learn. Which was in gold glitter, gold glitter on the stage. So I did a little research. Apparently, Back in the day, that would, there were like a bunch of like learning cartoons and stuff that said "look, listen, learn." Mm-hmm. I don't remember that ever. Yeah, Nicole? me neither. No, no. So th- that's apparently where that came from, and I'm like, are they talking about like when Joss was in high school? That was a thing. So that was supposed to be something that resonated with everybody. Like once you saw "look, then listen," you knew "learn," and I was like. I don't no. think anybody got that. No. I was just kind of like, oh, what's the next piece of the puzzle? I'm with you there, actually. Like, where are we going with this? Um, I um, like that Cordelia is already wearing the crown that yeah. she was supposed to be crowned with. I think she put it on her. Where did she get it? Like, you get that at the Because Cordelia has a dress. Yeah, well, I mean, I think she put it on her dress. dress. Prove a point. I'm not. Sure. Well, oh, at that point she'd already won the May Queen at that little ceremony. Oh, oh so out in the courtyard. Because yeah, because every high school has a yeah, courtyard. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like there's a podium in, in Cali yeah. where where they get to make they get to make statements in their speeches. Like, ask not what your high school can do for you, but what are you wearing to the spring fling? Oh my God, trash. Uh. It's, Trash again. Not her best episode. Um, at this point, I think the uh everyone else has been rescued by Angel from the gas. Oh, okay, hold on one second. I've really got to get into this yeah. one. Yeah. He says, "I came in through the basement. I smelled the gas. I'll go in and turn it off. It's not like I need the oxygen. Okay, if you don't need the oxygen, why are you breathing? And if you're not breathing, how are you smelling the gas?" <laughs> Well, you can breathe without needing oxygen. Oxygen is just a tiny percentage. But why of would you breathe if you don't need in. to? Like, why would you smell anything if you like? Like, you're only gonna smell something if you're taking an. Okay, breath. once you're dead, I think it's just the automatic reflexes that come back with kind but, of like but, your but body. Your I always, I always thought that vampires did rely on their sense of smell to like sniff out, you know, their prey. Yeah. 
Meg is just going too deep. Like, come on. Like, obviously they need to breathe. They need their sense of smell. But they don't need it. Like, we know they don't breathe. We've had this happen in other episodes. When did we discuss that they don't breathe? He just said, it's not like I need the oxygen. Oxygen is different from breathing. No, no, it's really not. You, okay, no. Air in air, there's only like a tiny percentage of oxygen. Like, there's other gases in the air. So you can still breathe and not necessarily need the oxygen. You only breathe to take in oxygen and then expel carbon dioxide. Okay, but you still, the function of breathing is still there. It's just that you just happen to need. Even after you're dead. And you don't need it. You're just fucking, it's just like your heart is still beating. Does your heart stop beating as a vampire? No, it's still beating. That's why you're able, yeah, because that's why you're able to suck the blood of a vampire. Like, it's not, you can't fucking, like, to become a vampire, you have to suck the blood of a vampire, correct? We're going to call, we're going to call J.R. No, Quatina is right. Quatina is right. Just because you've seen a lot of true blood. Quit so much true blood. So much. Um, I don't know. I think, okay. (laughs) Moving on. Anyways. Uh, but also it's weird because Angel saves them. But then she's like, how did you guys get out? And Giles goes, it was a janitor. Yeah, but doesn't want her to know it was... Well, yeah, because, you know, she can't... They can't love each other. And he knows, like, that's going to hurt her. She's going to ask questions. She's going to try and get into it. So thank you, Giles. You're looking out. Thank you. We fucks with you. You're cool. Um, At this point, when <laughs> she's trying to fight uh, off this invisible person, because this is the point where the invisible girl is kicking her ass. And I'm like... Buffy, you're a fucking slayer. How is she knocking you down like this? This was so Karate Kid, though. The, like, like basically, like, blindfold yourself and you can't hear, see, or smell anything. I legit, because she stopped and went slow-mo. It was really impressive. You know what? I also, just to back it up, how quickly and easily she got out of her ropes, I was very impressed with Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was she doing when she pulled over the cart? She pulled over the cart just to like I think have she, it to push she, away. Wasn't she getting the scalpel or something? That's she, it wasn't very clear, but she was out of those ropes. In, you know, in it, it looked good. Five, <laughs> no, the scalpel was in Marcy's hand oh, as she was right. going to cut Cordelia's face. Buffy basically pulled the cart over, got herself out of the ropes, well, she and did kicked cut, the cart over. She did cut Cordelia's she face. Did cut Cordelia. She did cut Cordelia. But yeah. like, that was like the worst like blood job I think I've ever It was seen. the worst thing. It was already dry. It was basically painted. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. But was... like, I think Buffy just, she didn't use anything from the cart to escape. She just used it to kick it over so that she could be like, good to go. That's basically it. Right. I mean, I did think it was really smart that she put the curtain, she like kicked the curtain down. Mm-hmm. I did too. I like yeah, that part. Yeah, because then she wrapped her in that shit. But but again, it just felt so Karate Kid. I swear, there's like a moment in Karate Kid, isn't there, where like he yes. puts a he puts a blindfold around the kid and then like yes. bales of hay or something come What's out. What's Karate Kid? Oh my God, Hillary I'm Swank kidding. was in the third one. I know it. what the Karate Kid is, and then Jaden Smith remade it. Don't even no. We don't talk about. Listen, that. I know because Cobra came. It's getting his own show now. Yeah, I know it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. So boom, I okay, know stuff. Great. Um, at that point, she has kicked Marcy's ass. Marcy's wrapped in the red blanket, and, and then the fucking FBI <laughs> comes in. Yeah. What? They were there earlier. Remember, she was like all throughout the episode. Maybe not. Yeah, because they were, in the... they were there early on watching things. And yeah. I only picked up on that this last viewing because before they were like did cordelia hire bodyguards and for some reason in my head 
That actually seemed like the of more logical explanation. Yeah, it made sense. <laughs> I mean, have you, Nicole, have you ever had a student hire bodyguard? No. Wait, 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 no. wait. At that point, had Cordelia come to them for help about... Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Um... Has no 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 she hasn't yet no she, she has not come no, to I the feel library like they were they were around really kind of early on like from the first incident like they were they knew about what was going on you know what from when Harmony was pushed down the stairs they were there because I I remember seeing them in the courtyard and I guess I thought it was when she was accepting the May Queen mm. coronation but I guess it was actually when Harmony was pushed down the stairs fuck Harmony psycho. Um, yeah, Harmony was the real meanie there. Meanie, I can't believe I said that. She was the real bitch. Yeah, she, she really was. So she really was. Here's the thing. So I've been, I've been like, you know, touching base through. Um, there's an unofficial oral history of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. An oral history. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Christina. Oh wow. Um, but so Charisma Carpenter. So a couple of things. One, make Christina feel like a bitch. So Charisma <laughs> apparently had like crippling anxiety doing this show okay okay the is point- charisma the character or the actor the actor that do actress. not mix the cordelia. two cordelia is still a bitch well, charisma on. is cool but, but part, of, part of the reason was because fans were so the first two years of the show hated her were so mean to her like they would walk up to her in stores and yell at her for being such a bitch yeah, I don't understand those fans. They're and, dumb as fuck. And, and she was just, she was all, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to do the best job I can. And it took, like, multiple therapists to convince her, you should actually be proud of this, that people can't separate you from the character because yeah. you're doing such a great job. But it got to the point that she was, like, doing, you know, she would, she, Buffy would have 40 hours of stage time, and she had three and it would take her 12 to, to record what she was doing because she was so worried about messing up and screwing up the show and fans yelling at her because every time she said something mean to Buffy, she would just get, like, hate mail. And this is the very early These days. These fans are such trash. Like, you're doing too much. And, and so I want to give... It's a fucking show, guys. This is one Come of those on. things where I've been, like, reading her, her oral history, and I'm just kind of... I mean, first of all, I get it because the first time I watched the show, I was in the exact same place. I hated her so much. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I have to give the actress so much credit for being so insanely unlikable. Yeah. It's, it's because Harmony, by the way, she's one of those where I'm kind of like, well, I hate you, but you're just like pointless. Yeah, you're going to be gone the next episode. Cordelia, I hate... Well, see, that's the thing. Harmony actually becomes another recurring character. But Cordelia, you hate but you love at the same time. I mean, her comments are pretty I think for, like, Cordelia, because when I was watching this... when I was watching it tonight, I was kind of reminded, like, you don't like her, but, and she is such a bitch, but it really isn't coming from, like, it isn't coming from a negative place. It's almost coming from her just not being aware. Like, she's not trying to be a bitch. She just is. So I kind of, like, as as the show goes on, and you'll see you'll see what we're talking about. I think that's why people end up liking her because you kind of realize like she's not trying to be that way. She just is. 
So there, there's a later episode, Quitina, wherein somebody asks, and I don't remember, and they're like, good God, girl, don't you have any tact? Mm. And she goes, tact is just saying stuff that's not true to avoid hurting somebody's feelings. And it's kind of like... Where's the lie, though? Well, not that's gonna exa- lie. And she, what she said was, uh, the actress was, I always really liked that I was the truth woman. Yeah. When somebody needed a harsh truth dropped on them in the series, it was always up to Cordelia to deliver it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is very fair in this show. Okay, since you guys want to be Cordelia supporters, <laughs> here is where I was going to save this for the end, but I'm going to let y'all know now. Okay, fucking FBI is crazy, whatever. When it moves to Cordelia coming up to them to thank them, and then all of a sudden Mitch, her little shit-ass boyfriend, comes up with his black eye. And he's like, are you actually talking to them uh, and you're about to invite them yeah, to this? I, and she's like, I no, know. I would never. I was kind of like, I see where you are just trying to fit in just like everyone else is and trying yeah. to maintain your popularity. I was like, I get it. You're just, you know, a product of your environment. And we literally said this last time, Quatina, where you were like, I don't remember high school being like that. Nope, I wasn't like that in high school. And I said... But you didn't have the ultimate status to defend in high school. No, no, no. And I think you have to look at Cordelia from that perspective. Mm, Like, I, from this happening, I was like, oh, so Mitch is the bitch. And she's, the people around her are the shitty ones who are shaping her into this person. It's a little bit like how we ended up with Trump as president. Basically, the people around him are just giving him that fucking ego with his tiny ass hands to make him feel like he's the shit. (laughs) Nah, <laughs> fuck you, bitch. I really kind of want Joss to come out of the woodwork and do something about, like, Trump and his tiny hands. But <laughs> maybe that's just me. You have something that says soap for tiny hands. And so I, that reminded me of we tiny do. hands. We do. Anyways, um, at this point, um, they take, they've taken the um, Marcy up in the red cloth. And then um, after this whole thing with um, Cordelia, then we wind up with, the the FBI in some see-through glass classroom telling her... With a bunch of... Because Buffy says this has happened before, hasn't it? it? Yeah. So they take Marcy into a room and they're like, you'll fit in here. Yeah. And by the way, I was begging for people online that are into like conspiracy theories to come on this episode. I am shookest. Because I can't believe I don't know anybody personally that is like, oh, the FBI is 100% doing this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Open up to page 56, assassinations. I was like, oh, man. It was. I was like, it was amazing. And by the way, another way that, that this show is so prescient because any political administration between then and now you could run this same thing and at least 50% of the country goes, I knew Knew it. it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, honestly, I thought the, like, the 2010s, like, was the year of conspiracy theories. It was brilliant. It was happening in the 90s. I was like, yes, Joss, I see you. I'm like, yes, I totally believe this. Um, A couple more facts about bullying right now that I kind of want to get into. And again... This is going to be something we revisit at least once a season. Um, and this this episode maybe wasn't as much about bullying as just feeling invisible or whatever, but I think it all comes from the same place. Still feeling leads, bullied if you're ignoring someone like that. It leads to the same thing. Um, so I want to put out there, bullying can cause low self-esteem, 
loneliness, depression, anxiety, increased increased susceptibility to illness. And I looked that up. That is very real. Uh, St. Jude's, the Mayo Clinic, and a couple of other places have done studies about uh, kids with low self-esteem, kids that feel that they have been bullied heavily, and their frequency of beings, like like their physical illnesses that they have yeah. gone through. Um, it's very highly linked to eating disorders and anxiety mm. disorders, which I personally could speak to, body dysmorphia, Unfortunately, suicide, which is one of the leading causes of death of people between the ages of 15 and 24. Yeah. 16% of students between 15 and 24 seriously consider suicide. 13% create a plan. And 8% have made a serious, meaning um, doctors have been alerted, attempt of, their, uh, of suicide. Um, and then... Parents are only aware that their child is being bullied approximately 50% of the time. Wow. Only about 50. Yeah, yeah that that is one because parents should, quite frankly, be your first lifeline. I yeah. mean, not if you grew up like me and your parents are the last person you can talk to about anything real. You know, my, my, my father is still horrified that I have a master's degree from Johns Hopkins. That's the worst thing. A yes. daughter of his could have done. <laughs> Lord of Jesus, I can't. <laughs> um, like, wow, why would I spit in the face of my ancestors? But, um, but I think that most of the time that that's what you're going with. Um, one out of four elementary school bullies. So people that it's on their quote unquote permanent record, which right. I would like to get into at some point with somebody. Um, will have a criminal record by the age of 30. Wow. And most of the time, those are not petty crimes. Those are actually sexual or physical assault crimes. Oh, Jesus. Um, so I think, look, this episode, it gets into a lot. Yeah, it does. Uh, the, the, this is one of the heavier episodes that we've covered. You, it is. You wouldn't think it. I think we tried to it's have a lot a of fun. contrast from the last episode. I, I think I we tried... Yeah, I think we tried to have a lot of fun because... God, it, it, look, nobody wants to go back to high school. Nope. I I am in so much awe, Nicole, of teachers. <laughs> yes, I'm a teacher in a high school. Yeah, my my husband is kind God, of like high, high school, school were the worst years of his life. And somehow he kind of sentenced himself to relive that through all of adulthood. And he just looks at me sometimes Hooray. like, why, why did I do that? Why did I make- because of the summers, no. Yeah, that, no, uh, that's at least ninety percent accurate. Uh, no, I mean, and I think I I do think because I know him like I do that a lot of it has to do with maybe he's hoping that he can make it not so horrible for some people. You know, a lot of a lot of people, teenagers can be a lot of fun. They can be a lot of fun. It's an interesting age. They can be real assholes. They can they can be such dicks, but they can also be a lot of fun. And it's there's something really interesting and kind of amazing seeing a seeing a young person shape who they want to be. And um, that's a lot of times that's when that's happening is during that age. So they you know it is it is it's not for everyone, but it's it's also a lot of fun. 
It can be. Hey, I, I look back at my life and I can legitimately say that maybe of the 10 most influential people in my life, at least three or four of them were teachers I had in high school. Mm, that's very that, important. To that pointed me in this direction or that direction or gave me a confidence in something or pointed out, you know, even even just the teacher that was sort of like, look, high school is probably going to be the worst years of your life. Yeah. And 15 years from now, you could literally be, he said this to me, you could literally be living in a dumpster eating with the rats and look back and go, thank God I'm not in high school. And weirdly at the time, that kind of got me through. Wow. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's amazing. I think it's one of the reasons why Giles is so great. I, I'm wondering if, uh, before we, we leave this episode... Maybe you have any thoughts to anybody, either either a Cordelia, a Buffy, or or a Marcy. Like like, I, I don't know if you just have any insights or thoughts about you know it gets better, you'll get through it, or everybody you know, feels alone, or I, I don't yeah. know, I don't know. I'm curious. I, I, I don't know. Um, the one thing that I can say is watching this episode, it is really surreal in a lot of ways to see how bullying and just the social norms of what teenagers go through now is very different than when I was in school. And I was in school in the 90s. I graduated in 1999. So um, I would have been the age of the characters in this episode when it was, yeah. And social media has changed everything you know it wouldn't have it it's not so overt what happens when you said that parents 50% of them have no idea that their kids are being bullied I completely think that is totally realistic that number um if not maybe a little high because it happens now online so it's I and I it's 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 this weird time in education because the people who are in charge they didn't grow up with that social media, you know, so we don't really understand it in a lot of ways. So we don't know how to respond to it. So it's easy for me to tell kids like, oh, it gets better. Um, just ignore it. Um, tell someone you trust. All of the usual things that you say to somebody um, because. I couldn't imagine if I couldn't get away from somebody who was tormenting me. And I think that's a lot of what the kids go through now because it's happening during school. It's happening every time they look at their phones. Um, it can if somebody is being bullied. And a lot of times they don't even necessarily know who the person is. It can be you know, pages that are created to just torment somebody. I've seen it happen and it's really sad. And I guess the only piece of advice is find your couple people who have your back and who are your friends and just focus on them. And, you know, eventually you will be out of high school and it will be over. But, you know, I don't know. I think it's a whole different world out there than when I was in school. And, when kids come and talk to me about it and 
I'm really, it's one of those situations where I'm like, I don't even know how to respond because I didn't experience it on this level or on this playing ground. Um, you know, so, and I think that a lot of people don't get it unless they have grown up in it. So, yeah. So funny because even I, look, apparently I only graduated high school three years later than you did. Um, and, and so, but it's weird because, and then Quatina is, you know, tiny little baby compared to me. Uh, no, not that young. I mean, you're what? Seven years old? I'm a grown ass woman. That's what I am. Um, but, (laughs) but it's weird because even just like what 30 years ago, that's almost no age difference. It's an age difference now. Hmm. And, uh, you know, my, my oldest niece is 12. And what she's going through, like her parent, or her friends, they're mocking her because her parents won't let her have a smartphone Yikes. or a Facebook page yet. Oh God, we're getting like there. her parents just said you can have your own email address. Oh my God. And uh, like she has, she has a phone, but you can only text, and my sister can see everything that she texts. Mm. So you know she can't get on the internet, she can't Facebook, nothing like that. And she's being kind of bullied about that. And I'm just sitting here going, oh, my God. Like, (laughs) I think when we got those AOL 53-hour CDs that you could install, (laughs) we could have instant messenger and that was it. Like, and, and you still had to negotiate with my siblings who got to be online versus who got to be on the phone. Yeah, yeah. During the dial-up years. Yes, exactly. I remember that. Guys, I remember that. I'm not that young. Barely. (laughs) I remember, though, like, you having to not be on the phone if you wanted to get on the internet. Yeah, yeah. But it just, and that's the thing, though, is it's so different. And I can't even imagine if I was living in the world today of those, I I just, my heart bleeds for these. And, I mean, I guess, like, the, not the salute or what I was saying about giving advice and it goes back to whether you're in the 90s or early 2000 or 80s or 70s as long as you have like that one or two friend who you can trust and who has your back and you can eat lunch with and you can share your secrets with like if you can find just want a couple other people to be your person that can starve off loneliness and can give you strength so that would be my advice, but I do think it's very different. And I think that it's probably not until the kids who have were fully raised in this new world of social media um, come into power that we'll probably see any change because the schools don't know what to do about it. The police don't know what to do about it. The government doesn't know what to do about it. And there's going to have to be something done about it um, because it's too impactful. Agreed. I, wow. I mean, I, I hate leaving our episode on a note of, I have yes. no answers and nothing funny <laughs> or witty to say because that's our shtick. But I, I think that, you know, maybe this topic, that's the right way to go. And, and over the next six seasons that we still have left. Is that how many seasons are? There are seven Buffy? seasons. So there, are, there are seven seasons of Buffy. Plus, Quatina, we have five seasons of Angel. 
Angel. Angel. We're going to weave them together once they once they start. And even more Cordelia during the Angels. I know. I know. She's the best. She's me. She's the best. Well, I'm sorry. We'll see. Well, aside from Anya, but you haven't met her. Okay, um, we'll see. Um, but I, I want to hope that by just having these conversations, um, and look, I don't know. There's maybe we have we have 24 listeners so far per episode. Hooray! Uh, hopefully, like happen. we're starting to we're starting to get up there. But um, there's maybe one of them that is going through something like this. I don't know. But but hopefully over the next six seasons, as we go through this, we find some more answers. We get some smart people in here like Nicole. We have some fun. We show, like, you know, a bunch of nerds from high school can get out there and have fun past that. We're so cool. Um, and, and hopefully this gets better because it does break it legitimately breaks my heart every time I see these stories about kids and what they're going through yeah. or, or people my age that are dealing with trying to make the adjustment. But, um, you know, hopefully just having this conversation, talking about it. And I think as we go the next six seasons, we'll, we'll get closer to, to helpful information and we'll, we'll just kind of see where this goes. But in the meantime, I'm going to post on our blog, the bronze.blog. Uh, I'm going to post some resources if you're being bullied, if you're feeling intimidated, if you're feeling depressed or upset, some resources you can turn to, um, some places you can go for some help. Um, and and just even if you want to direct message me at Meet at the Bronze on Twitter, I, I'm, I'm here. I've been there, been through a lot and, and just, you know what, you're never alone. So reach out and... With that, Nicole, we'll say goodbye in a second. I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording, but then we'll go ahead and we'll say goodbye, okay? Okay. Are you fascinated with the paranormal? Do you love good stories? Ones that are shrouded in mystery, intrigue? Stories that evoke that spine-chilling sensation we hate to love? Stories that make us wonder, could that really be true? If so, unearthly. Paranormal Stories is for you. Join me, Nicole, every other Friday for a new story based on actual paranormal experiences. For more information, check out our website at www.unearthlypodcast.com.